0: who's counting days until we're all together back in church and we're able to sing together again? They say it takes a minimum of 21 days to break a habit and a minimum of 21 days to form a habit. Uh, But for us, we've been in lockdown 100 days, over 100 days, and it seems by now we've all got into some new habits and got out of some old habits we've broken the habit of getting up and getting ready and setting off to church on Sunday and we've established new habits of shuffling in in our slippers and making a brew and a bit of toast or whatever and uh, shuffling watching church in pyjamas that's a new thing and um, watching it online maybe we need another 40 day period to release us from a slouchy Sunday slipper time and uh, form some new habits. But hopefully it won't feel too tough getting back to church. It won't feel tough at all. I'm really excited by the prospect of going back. Can't wait to worship together again. And I pray that we come back all refreshed and refired and brand new. So today I'm, um, I'm continuing with the, the series Pray Like Blank. And up to now, we've talked about the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus modelled prayer for us. We've looked at Elijah and his expectancy, and Hannah's desperate, heartfelt prayer, heart-rendering prayer, wasn't it? Of faith, and uh, you know that desperation that she um, that she felt when she was praying. And today, I'm speaking on another man of great faith and prayer, and I'm talking about Daniel. So let's just pray as we start. Father God, I thank you for your wonderful word and ask that you would bless it as it goes out from here and into everyone's home. Help me to say only what you want me to say, open our hearts to what it is you want us to hear and help us take on what you want us to do. In Jesus name, amen. So Daniel was a boy when he was taken from Jerusalem with a few others. There was quite a few of them taken and they were made to live in the king's court. And Daniel was not taken as a slave. Um, some people think that he was because he was taken. Uh, he was forced there, but he wasn't forced to work as a slave like some of the others. Um, they were to spend three years learning the ways of the king's court to become royal advisers. And uh, they had to eat the king's food and they had to drink the king's wine. And that was all set before them. But Daniel did not want to defile himself. He put God first. And he, he asked um, the chief eunuch who was looking after him um, if they, him and his friends could have a vegetarian diet. And he said, give us 10 days and see how we are. Um, and then agreed to it and and so he did and he got great favour with this chief eunuch who looked after them but they also had the favour of God and Daniel 1 verse 17 says this as for these four youths God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams and Daniel was set apart later on for his great wisdom he had a greater wisdom than the others and there's so much in the, the book of Daniel that's um, open to you know, interpretation about his dreams and his prophecies and the end time prophecies and while these are discussed at length by theologians and scholars we're not going to go there we're going to look about how he prayed instead that like we, we want to know about his relationship with God. So yeah, that's how we need to start, with Daniel's relationship with God. He would not compromise. Daniel did not compromise his relationship with God. He was faithful to God. He determined in his own heart right from the start that God was first and um, he wouldn't let God down and he would not defile himself. And so if you're taking notes, um, this is my first point. Number one, we need to put God first so first point god first it's as simple as that daniel was not taken like i said before he wasn't taken as a slave he was actually it says he was part of either royalty or nobility in jerusalem when it was taken over by the babylonians and they took away the royal and noble boys away to persia to re-educate them and they also renamed them and names in the Bible, um, they're generally linked to purpose and identity. And the name Daniel actually means "God is my judge." And they renamed him Belteshazzar. No, Belteshazzar, which means "protect the life of the king." It's like his whole identity um, shifted. Purpose uh, shifted focus, they were hijacking his identity and purpose. But Daniel knew exactly who he was, he knew exactly who he belonged to, and he kept his identity and his integrity before God. He did not compromise at all, he knew whose he was, no matter what anyone else called him. And this was before any wisdom. All prophetic word was given to him. or prophetic gift had been revealed. And he wrote his book as Daniel. His friends called him Daniel. He's referred to in other parts of the Bible as Daniel. It is only the Babylonians who called him Belteshazzar. And um, that that was that. He, de- he determined that he would serve God above the king. And it was his custom to go to his room three times a day and face Jerusalem and pray. And and so he put God first. And even when he went in front of Nebuchadnezzar, the king, who was like a great and awesome king as well. You know, people were terrified of the Babylonian king. Uh, Daniel went to him to interpret his dream. He's brave enough to tell the king to his face who thinks, the king thinks he's divine himself, that it was the great God of heaven who revealed the mystery to him, who revealed the dream. So we could learn a lot from Daniel, even though he didn't worship the king or subscribe to his way of thinking, he actually was incredibly respectful. He honoured the king and he helped the king and he, he put himself to protect the king he did protect the king but he did not put the king before god he put god before the king god was always first and that's the same for us when we seek god first and he's not our last resort anxiety is calmed faith rises and we can rest in the assurance of god's goodness above anything else that's going on around us so number two we need to cultivate a humble relationship with God. And Daniel also cultivated his relationship with God. It's possible that he could have seen some awful things. He probably did. He, he could have possibly seen his parents, his family, all being killed around him. He he could have seen, he could have been through his own unimaginable torture. And he almost certainly saw The city, the place where he grew up, destroyed in front of his eyes. And none of this took him away from God. In fact, he got closer to God through that time. He didn't blame God. He didn't shout and scream at God. He didn't debate with God about whether it was his will or not. He revered God above all others and he wouldn't dream of disrespecting him. We don't have a lot of backstory other than he was a noble or a royal and taken from Israel to be renamed and re-educated and serve the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. But he cultivated this humble relationship with God. He hung on to God and he did not let go at all. He refused to let go. Even in the midst of this new culture and this re-education, I think today we'd probably call it brainwashing. You know, they had to learn a new way of life, a new system of doing things. And in a place where the king was revered as a god and thought of himself as divine, Daniel trusted the God of heaven above all else. When I taught Ari at school, we had lessons explaining what prayer actually is. And the simple definition, the one that we used to give as the definition to, for an exam answer, um, is that prayer is talking with God. We looked at answered prayer being one of the ways people come to faith in God. We looked at reasons why sometimes prayers seem to go unanswered and what that might mean for a believer. It might mean that God is saying yes or no or wait. But in truth, when we look at the great praying people of the Bible, their prayers come out of this humble, cultivated relationship with God. There are four different types of prayer. We can narrow it down to four. And we can use the acrostic acts to remember each type A for adoration, C for confession. T for thanksgiving, and S for supplication, which just means asking for something. And the truth is when we look at these four different types of prayer, just weigh them up. Which is heaviest in your prayer life? It's not often well balanced, is it? We can spend a huge amount of time asking God, begging God for something, And, you know, asking him to do something for us or to help us with something. And we just spend very little time actually telling God how much we love him or adore him. We keep asking and asking. And the truth is the Bible is clear that to get into his courts, we need to first thank him for who he is and how he sustains us this is humility it's true humility so let's look at psalm 100 spells it out for us make a joyful noise to the lord all the earth serve the lord with gladness come into his presence with singing know that the lord he is god it is he who made us and we are his we are his people And the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. And just looking at that last verse there, when we've settled that in our hearts, that the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, his faithfulness for all generations. And we've settled that, we've got an anchor, haven't we? We are not going to be tossed to and fro with every sort of little thing because we've got that anchor that God is good. We have to settle that above all else. He does not want to harm you. He does not want to strike you down. But look at verse 3. We are to know that the Lord is God. He made us. He is God. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We are created beings. He is not. And we live in his kingdom. Many times the Bible talks about his people being like sheep. It's quite a, a you know, common phrase to use in the Bible. And, you know, it's, it's quite good because sheep follow and run to the shepherd who, who protects and feeds and looks after his own. And society has tried to turn this around as, as like a, some kind of weakness. And quite often, weak people are called sheep for following trends or following other people who, who get them into addictive behaviours or, or wrong behaviour patterns. But actually, the Bible does not call those people sheep. The Bible calls those people blind, not sheep. And this very verse tells us that his ways are higher than our ways. If left alone, a sheep will wander and either get caught up in something and literally exhaust themselves to death trying to get free, or they'll be attacked by a predator. So you can see how sheep are a great metaphor for us, really. Without God, we're going to wander off and get ourselves into some sort of trouble. But then, a bit further on, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And some time ago, quite a while ago now, I woke up with this phrase in my head and it echoed over and over until I wrote it down. And I ended up writing a a message about it and speaking it in church. And it was, you can't get out, you can't get into his courts without first going through his gates. And my message was on the importance of thanksgiving. People sort of skim over it a little bit, but thanksgiving is absolute, so important. We can't humble ourselves in front of God without acknowledging what he's done for us. If we, can't, if we think we've done it by ourselves, then we've missed the cross. It's by his grace that we're saved, not by our works. Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. And then, you know, we've looked at adoration, we've looked at um, thanksgiving. Where's confession in our prayer life? Do we say sorry enough? Do we, do we confess to God when we've done wrong? Or do we just think, oh, that's it, grace will cover everything. And grace does cover everything. But we sometimes need to look at ourselves and change some things, and confessions are part of that. And to reach God's heart, we have to humble our own heart. This doesn't mean squirming around on the floor saying, Oh God, I'm a worm. That's who talks like that. Nobody talks like that anymore. That's false humility. I wonder if. God sometimes just like face palms at some of the weird things that we do just to try and impress him. But the Bible says we must humble ourselves before him and be careful about praying the prayer and asking God to humble you because you it's a dangerous prayer. You might find yourself in some embarrassing situations if you pray that prayer because God has asked us to humble ourselves. If we ask him to humble us, beware that's all i'm saying james 4 verse 10 says humble yourselves before the lord and he will exalt you we're also to humble ourselves before each other it's not just before the lord we're not better than anybody else but we're to humble ourselves towards each other 1 peter 5 verse 5 says this likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders clothe yourselves all of you, not just the younger, with humility toward one another. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I don't want to be a person that God opposes. I want to be a person that God gives grace to. So the world is focused on giving ourselves this greater self image. And there's nothing wrong with that to a point. There's nothing wrong with that. If, you know, in our hearts, God keeps his spot, his throne above everything else. Low self-esteem is a destroyer. Make no mistake. And we don't want people to have any sort of low self-esteem. But balance is the key. Balance is the key. Or we'll just end up with this generation of narcissists who will just worship themselves so we don't know what Daniel said in the first prayer that he prayed in the book of Daniel because true to form humble Daniel didn't write it down he just alluded to what he prayed and his friends prayed he said that they sought mercy from God concerning the mystery they were talking about the dream of the king that they needed to interpret And, you know, they they sought mercy from God concerning the mystery so that they wouldn't be killed. But he wrote down, he did write down his second prayer because, you know, it's a beautiful response to God's revelation and a wonderful example of adoration and thanksgiving. Let's look at it. Daniel 2, 19 to 23, and it says, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in the vision, in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed God of heaven, blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we have asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. Just like Joseph, the fact that Daniel went on to interpret the king's dream with such authority and wisdom from God. Just like Joseph, it meant that because he did that, he was promoted to a high rank in the kingdom. He was fast tracked up to this high rank. He became chief prefect. This was all within the three years that they were meant to be training. He became chief prefect of all the wise men and remained in the king's court. But it's the way that Daniel prays later on that I just want to focus on a little bit more. In chapter 9, Daniel read the prophecies of Jeremiah and realised that 70 years had been appointed um, for captivity for Israel. He recognises God's mercy and grace as he always does and it's a long prayer so we're not going to read it all we're just going to read the first few verses and um, so let's have a look at uh, Daniel 9 4 to 6 and then we'll go on to 16 so verse 4 I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenants and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. And then he talks about God's righteousness and and how, you know, they need to be ashamed of the way that they've acted um, because they've rebelled and they've not obeyed the prophets. So let's skip to verse 16. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. And now, therefore, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. O oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. It sort of gets more heartfelt and more desperate as he goes on. This prayer of confession and repentance he fully acknowledges that they deserve to be punished for their sins and he doesn't shake his fist he knows now it's because of sin it's sin that's brought them to this place he doesn't blame God for it like I said before he, he understands that God is the answer that God is the solution and that it was sin that brought them to this place that was the problem and then miraculously In verse 22, the angel Gabriel appears to Daniel and tells him that at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. And I have come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. What a beautiful statement. That brings me to my third and final point, which is you are greatly loved. God is no respecter of persons and the Bible says he shows no favoritism. But you look at the people who put God first and cultivated that humble relationship with him and they are the ones that are called a friend of God, a man after God's own heart, a mighty warrior, greatly loved, faithful servant. You are greatly loved. It's God's pleasure to love you. It's God's pleasure to give you gifts. It's God's pleasure to answer your prayers. And we align ourselves with his will. become bigger than they should like and then we pray without a humble heart. Sometimes we disguise this pride um, we you know we, we disguise it with oh I, I'm expectant it's not you know it's good to be expectant and it's good to have faith and I'm not saying anything against that. Sometimes, though, we treat God like a genie and we give him this, our instructions, we tell him how to answer our prayers, we wait for our three wishes to be granted, and God's not a genie, he's not playing to our tune, he's not dancing to our tune, we have to be humble and obedient to him, and that's the key. You know, because he's waiting for us to be humble and obedient. He waits, He's waiting for us to be ready when he wants us to do something. We are to follow him. So you are loved. He wants us to love him back. And the reason I know that you are loved um, with this complete and total certainty is um, in 1 John 3.16. Not John 3.16, which is quite similar. It's like a before picture, and this is like the after picture. But one John 3.16 says, by this we know love that He laid down His life for us. My intention at first in choosing Daniel was to talk about when there's a delay to prayer. Because a bit further on in the book, we talk about this delay and this battle and all this thing that goes on. And that sometimes we have to wait for an answer but i didn't even get that far in fact it feels a bit irrelevant now in the light of these points god's ways are higher than ours and of course he knows the perfect time to answer your prayers so humbly make your requests known to god and give thanks and leave them there with him he knows what to do so much better than we do And sometimes we try to tell him, I've said it before, we try to tell him how to answer us. So remember, put God first, cultivate a humble relationship with him and remember that you are greatly loved. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the example of Daniel. Help us to set our faces towards you and teach us to pray humble, genuine prayers from the heart thank you for your wonderful love towards us and keep us close to you in Jesus wonderful name amen well thank you so much for listening I hope that you got something out of that please take care have a great week and we'll see you soon